somewhere. Hello, everyone. This is Michael Vandervoort, and it is November, November the 2nd, to be specific. And we've, we're back with a, an episode of Drive Through HR on our always random schedule. Robin, happy November. How are you? Happy November. I am um, um, somewhat remiss in that I didn't make it, you know, to Walgreens or the grocery store or anything yesterday to pick up some 50% off Halloween candy. But other than that, I'm good. Our friend, mutual friend, Suzanne Lucas is in the United States and apparently went I to Walmart saw. and had a, you know, she's like, I'm living my, she lives in Switzerland. So chocolate is big, but U.S. candy is, is different. And I'm talking to our guest who's making smiley faces, but we, you can't see. Um, anyway, she's, she loves, she loves M&M. So she found 50% off M&M. So it was like coming home to America is like her life stream fulfilled. Our guest today, speaking of our guest, is uh, Carolyn Clark of Simpler. Welcome to Drive Through HR. How are you? I'm good. I'm so excited to be here among other chocolate lovers because that is my. <laughs> <laughs> I, I there, didn't get any candy an... either. <laughs> yeah, no, no one brought candy to my house, but I walked my dog this morning and I realized that there was a small candy dish in the lobby of my apartment building, and it had a lone Hershey's bar. And I was like, well, that poor orphan thing shouldn't be by itself. So it's it's at home waiting for me to eat it tonight. So I'm looking forward to that after that good. a long day at the office. So so Carolyn, um, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, as we talked about the pre-show, we like to talk about HR stuff for HR people. Um, so why don't we start out by you know starting your inter interview opportunity here or whatever by having you tell us who you are and what you do. You do yeah. a few different things. I do. So, um, yep, my name is Carolyn. And right now, my I have dual, dual roles, my real job, <laughs> don't we all? We're all having, you know, side hustles on the side, I think. But my real job is I'm the uh, vice president of employee experience strategy at Simpler. And what that means really is I'm like an in house practitioner for a company that builds software for people like me, the practitioner in comms. And my whole background has been in communications, which is my side gig as well. I do run a consulting um, gig on the side where I consult on internal and HR communications. So comms is my my real sweet spot. Nice. And you have a, um, you have another company that you started a few years ago, right? Although I don't know, I was, I was, I, I do all my deep research by looking oh. at LinkedIn. And so it's after ever communications, which yeah. I like the name. Is that still a going thing or is that something it, that's, uh, it is, you know, so first I'll tell you about the name because, um, my daughter's name is Everly and we call her ever. And I spent 10 years at Yahoo in doing comms. And that was like, great. And it's when, where I had her. She's almost 10 now. But when I left Yahoo after 10 years, I was a little like, what do I, what do I do with my myself? And so I said, okay, I'm going to just start consulting. And I thought, you know what? I want my daughter to see a really strong female. And so I thought, do, you know, doing her own thing. And so then I named the company after ever, which is that, I finally got the guts to do something on my own after I had her and I wanted her to see that. So that's where that came from. And I'm a bit of a serial entrepreneur. Um, I started a couple of businesses as side gigs over the years, but um, my love is in employee comms. Honestly, that's where my my heart is most of the time. <laughs> hey, Robin, I had, that second, cool. 
I had that second question because I know the area a little bit. You want me to take that one or go for it? So, so you, so, so first of all, um, I, I see that you attended Carolina, that you attended Appalachia State, which is yeah. a name that will forever live in infamy in my household because of that that's the school that pounded the crap out of the University of Michigan a bunch of years that's ago. Right. That's right. That's like one of the, one of that. So, and then, and then a colleague of mine from my, my previous job actually has relatives that live in, in and around Blowing Rock. And I, I've been there a few times. So it's a really oh. cool area. Yes. And, and it's kind of a, to me, it's kind of an unexpected area in, in North Carolina. And then I think, I, and I don't know this, so this is really where, where I wanted to go with it. And I noticed your uh, Silicon Holler um, board membership, right? Yeah. So I, is is that an area where tech is trying to, where they're trying to make in tech, it, inroads into tech? It's an, it's a good question. I mean, I think North Carolina is such a big state, right? Very, very right. State mm-hmm. and the western part of North Carolina has a number of universities, and those universities have been growing. They traditionally were, you know, teacher schools or business schools, but over the years, people have been leaving, as you know, Silicon Valley. They've been leaving some of these tech hubs, Austin, Texas, for example, Boston, places like that. They're wanting to live in different places. So, western North Carolina, particularly Asheville a little bit of boon, but you're starting to see tech people come to these areas and try to get something going primarily because they're working remote and they are not used to having not other tech people to connect with. So Silicon Holler is an organization that was started, I think probably eight years ago, give or take, that Hmm. at first the idea was to bring people like me who had been in high tech, right? Who had worked at some of these big names and be able to advise some of these very small companies starting out, these one man, one woman shows. Um, and so the, the idea is that it's a bit of an incubator. Will I, do I think that Western North Carolina is going to become a huge tech hub? Probably not, <laughs> but we have Raleigh-Durham nearby. We have mm-hmm. Asheville where there's some of these, you know, obscure tech companies coming. So the hope is that, at least we will have a community and a economy that could support more tech. Um, but it is, you know, you know, this area, it's a small part of the world and it's hard to get to it's two hours from the closest airport. So it's got some things working against it, but yeah, yeah. still, it's still, it's a cool, cool thing. And I love the yeah. name of the group. So I just had, I just had to ask about it because it it's a very good name. <laughs> or the South, most people would be holler. Well, we holler at somebody, right? Exactly. That's a whole different kind of holler that we're talking That's exactly about. right. So anyway, all right, Robin, hey, you're up. Thanks. Uh, uh, Loretta Lynn grew up in a holler. So she did. So did Dolly did. Parton. So did Dolly. That's right. So so there's more of us that know what it is right. through through that. But, um, well, that was a fun. I could talk about that kind of stuff all day, but um. But let's go on, I guess, to a little bit about the meat of what we want to talk about um, as we kind of weave this story, because I think um, I think the work you're doing and, and, and the, the, you know, the background that you're bringing um, into Simpler is um, is very interesting. Um, <clears throat> so to kind of get us to that part of the conversation, let's, uh, I guess, start at the basics, start with the basics, really, um, which is you know, wrapping everything kind of into employee experience. It's, it's, uh, it, it's, it's a term been around for a while. We could practically put it on our buzzword bingo cards. Yes. Um, 
but what and but why why does it matter what um what's your definition of it yeah i i'm glad you asked i i really think i've tried to refine what employee experience is in my head because it's changed a bit and where i've landed lately is that employee experience i think is what it's like to live somewhere it's mm-hmm. all the pieces that make up you know, if you, if you think of a community, right, it's the language that's spoken in that community. It's the unspoken sort of rules of the road. It's the rituals. I think that's very much what employee experience in an organization is like. And mm-hmm. I learned uh, this and where this came from for me was when I was at Yahoo, I had the great pleasure to work under Marissa Meyer. Um, and if, you know, she, she came from Google, she's incredible. And one of the things that I learned from her was really simple. And I've told this story before, but I, it it had such a profound impact on me. So she said to us, you know, when you go into a women's bathroom and you wash your hands and you put your hand under the paper, paper towel dispenser, you expect paper towels to come out. And if that paper towel, and this is what the story was at Yahoo, when she joined, it was a little piece of paper towel would put this in. So what did you do? You put your hand under there again, you got a little bit more, you put your hand under there again. So one of the things she did is she said, first of all, I understand why the decision was made to have a little bit of paper towel, Yep. but it was misguided because she calculated the amount of time wasted putting your hand under there. And if you add that up over time, not only are you impacting the experience of the employee, how annoying, right? You have to get that annoyance just to get those hands dried. But more importantly, you're taking time away and you don't even realize it. And it clicked in my head when she said that, that there are these, everything matters, everything impacts the experience. And you can spend all this time dreaming up these beautiful experiences, right? These amazing, cool things. But if you don't take care of the basics, like the technology Mm -hmm. that the employee uses, the way they get into the office, the simple things, you may be wasting a lot of money on these glamorous things and not mm-hmm. getting the basics right. So mm-hmm. I just kind of go back to that story and I think about not getting lost in the glitz and glamour of employee experience and yep. thinking about the basics. And yep. yeah, so that's kind of how I think about it. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. And I, I like I like that you brought up the word um, rituals in there as well. And, and because I think that that's another thing that we often don't think about because, Oh, here's this great new shiny, sexy program. I'm using air quotes yeah. when I say that, right. That we've rolled out. Um, and, and sometimes there's perhaps strong, meaningful, cherished rituals that we are sadly getting rid of maybe not purposely, but by putting something new in and, or, and, or we're just not paying attention to simultaneously the painful rituals, such as the paper towel sort of story or, you know, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think for me where the rub comes in, in my current job is the technology piece, you know, you, you want to create, I mean, if you look at the HR tech space, for example, I mean, there's a solution for everything, right? And with great intention, people have been introducing all of these little, these little experience, technology experiences for the employee. Yeah. What I think they're not considering is 
the collective of that. So you're asking an employee to maybe go to 15 or 20 places to do something, check in mm -hmm. on their work, find out their payroll, get their tax, recognize somebody, measure something. It starts to become burdensome. And I think in my mind, we have to, we being HR practitioners, comms people and technology, we have to find a way to make it easier on our employees and not, you know, and, and think about the basics. Um, and I don't know that everybody's doing that really mm -hmm. right now. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. so, yeah. so that's kind of, that's kind of interesting because, um, there are so many tech solutions and there are, you know, the chat GPT and AI and all the, all the, you know, like, that seems like it's been around for a hundred years. It's been like a 12 months or less since yeah. they announced chat GPT 3.5, right? That I just did a presentation somewhere about like how employers should think about the their employees are impacted uh, by those types of technology, right? Not just and 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 I had a very interesting discussion that was the day before my presentation with a guy who said, "I went to my boss and suggested that we use AI to create content and save five to seven thousand dollars a month, or whatever. You know, we could replace that right that freelance writer." And I was like, yeah, you could, or you could maybe figure out how to help the freelance writer learn how to use chat GPT <laughs> and improve and increase their <laughs> yes. output. Right. And, and either one is a legitimate path, but one has a much more productive outcome. So, and the reason I bring that up is because what I wanted to ask you about is in your role, right. You, 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 part of your role is to uh, innovation and part of your role is, is to advocate on behalf of technology company internally. And I guess externally, maybe. How does technology and innovation right now help drive a better employee experience, given what you just said, which is there's like so many tools, it becomes a kind of a PETA thing, right? You know, how do you, how do you overcome that? And what, what, what does technology have on the bright side? Oh yeah. I mean, well, first of all, what an, I mean, the options are endless and I think that is both good and bad, right? On the good side, I mean, if you think back to those of us who have been working for I don't know, 15 to 30 plus years, yep. we've seen so much innovation, right? Think about just recognition programs alone, right? Mm -hmm. you know, there was a time and and I'm I'm a geriatric millennial, I'll say. I'm, in, <laughs> I was born I'm in just that a geriatric. First... <laughs> <laughs> I was born in that first year of the millennials, but I I, you know, I remember a time where we were doing post-it note recognition in the office, you know, where yep. Right. I mean, and, and now, which was great and meaningful, hell, I probably still have some, to be honest, um, that I've saved that were special things. Mm -hmm. The, the fact that now companies are thinking about ways to do that, um, digitally, which is where we all are, that, that people are thinking about, um, how to get sentiment analysis, on a daily basis, as opposed to waiting one time a year to do a big engagement survey, for example, there's so much goodness coming. Um, the AI thing I'll save for a minute. Cause I, I could talk for hours about that, which I won't, I promise. But, um, <laughs> I think, I think what's happening and what we're going to see is this convergence of all of these little solutions coming together into a bigger solution, because this is the time for fun, fun things, right? Fun technology, fun, fun advancements. And, but we're going to slow down and we're going to, they're going to all kind of mash together. And I think what's going to happen is you're going to see companies starting to gobble things, cop, not gob, I was about to say gobble up, but I think what I was trying to say is cobble things together more. So, um, 
And when it comes to AI, there's just so much to be thinking about as an HR person and a comms or content person. There's so much to think about. And what you were saying, Michael, like the, the conversation you had, which is like, can't we just get rid of this person and use AI? Well, you could, but you're missing the context and you're missing the emotion. And that is what I believe will never be able to be replaced because mm -hmm. of the things we just talked about, the weirdness of companies, the rituals of companies, if you don't know those, you can write a very generic, dare I say, even beautiful and interesting piece of content, but does mm -hmm. it have the context? Does it have the emotion? Does it have the humanity? There's no way it could because it is not a real person and it is not in it's a, it's not a real person and it's not in that organization. Um, so couple thoughts on that is one, we're going to see more and more of these HR tech companies, including companies like ours, bring some of that chat, that chat GPT, that a generative AI into their product. One, because it's going to make it safer, right? So when you're, you know, if you've got a secure place, I'll, I'll give you example without over trying to not to just talk about our product. I want to be careful, but we, yeah. for example, brought in when you're a content creator on our intranet, we now have a generative AI solution. So what you're doing is you're going into a private within your intranet generative content page. You're putting in what you want it to write. You're then selecting from your own values of the company, from the tone and the voice just for your company that your, you know, your branding team might have set. So what you're getting back still needs that context and that editing from human, but it's contained. It's using the context of what's already in that intranet. That I think is where companies who are nervous as they should be are starting to think they're thinking, gosh, I don't mm -hmm. want, I need to make sure what I'm getting and what I'm sharing is secure. Mm -hmm. So I think we're going to see more and more of that being built in. It already mm -hmm. is. Um, but if people are not using AI at this point, um, I don't think AI will replace communicators. I don't think AI will replace HR, but somebody using AI absolutely will. Mm -hmm. um, and mm -hmm. so I think we need to be really thinking about it and use, you know, getting all the newsletters about it and doing all of that. Mm -hmm. That was a long answer. Sorry about that. It was a good answer. Um, I, you know, um, and we, we, we danced across around this already a little bit, but um, it's keeping, it's keeping the, hu the humanity, it's keeping the human touch. It's keeping the, um, the, you know, we talked, you talked about voice and tone and those sorts of things, but what are some other ways that, that in in the world of HR, in the world of internal comms, kind of this little world that we're talking about, um, what are the ways that that users can sort of um, understand at what point uh, a human a human hand needs to go in, or yeah, um, how they can you know devise the correct prompts Ooh. if they're looking to message something, yeah. etc. First of all, prompt engineering, um, which is what, you know, essentially that's, yeah. that's called is, is such an art. And I, I, I would say I'm probably of my 
comms friends, I'm probably the one that's using AI the, the most. I, I'm using it all day and I'm using it. We can talk about the ways I'm using it if you want. And it's not for content generation, but what I think because I've been using it so much, when I see content on a, you know, a, a regular site or somewhere where it's given to me to edit, mm-hmm. I can tell immediately mm-hmm. when it has been, been written. And I think it's, mm. I think it's two things. Do I think the general audience would know? I don't know, but, but because I'm a communications person, because yeah. I am a passionate communicator, even in my regular life, right? I value communication, whether it's with my child or my husband or my mom or work. Um, I can just tell it's missing the, the common or <laughs> what did you say? What did you say, Rob? I said soul. Yeah, exactly. It's missing something. And so what I would say is if you read something and you're like, what is that trying to say? Or how am I supposed to feel about what I just read? That's when I think you, uh, particularly if you're in HR and you're writing HR communications that need to have an action or a result, I would read something and I would say, how do I feel? And if I feel nothing from it, that could be okay in some cases, but we want people to feel something about the HR programs we're creating, about the actions we want them to take, about the strategy of an organization. And if you feel nothing, that tells yeah. me it needs some soul. It needs some humanity added in there. Um, and I, I also think you just know, you just know if you read enough and, you know, for me, eight, newsletters is where my life is. Uh, I read so many newsletters. I get newsletters from everybody. My favorite HR newsletter, by the way, is called I Hate It Here. Oh, uh, I love her. Oh my gosh. Isn't she great? She. But think about she how is, she writes, Robin. Like, yeah. She writes with humanity. She, yes. You know that is not auto-generated. So I, often I'll look at the newsletters that I'm kind of navigating towards and I'll say, why do I like that? that's the kind of writing that I want to put out for my employees or, you know, so I think that's just a good way to kind of get your head in the space is like, what are you feeling when you're reading that? And if it's complicated, like we should all honestly be writing for a fifth grade audience. That's the reality. Yeah. And if we're writing for postgraduates and that's what chat GPT will often do, unless you tell it very specifically going back to your prompting to write for a fifth grader, you're going to get stuff that is too complex Yes. And um, so I usually use it to, to be more clear, to say, hey, take this complicated thing, put it into bullets for me, and then I'll take those bullets and add that humanity and context to it. So, so I want to ask you more about that, but I want to, because I can't help it. This is like, I, I use it all day long, every day also. And we use it for some content, but we never use the base form, right? We we use it to like aggregate stuff and then we edit it and so on. Um, but I I did something the other day with some of the new functionality where you can upload images. Yeah. So and I do work in the layer in the sphere of labor relations. So I uploaded an image from the internet which was promoting a uh, a protest that's taking place next week mm-hmm. against a large brand company, which we won't name here. Um, and in the bottom of the image were like 10, I guess what you would call ally support groups. And all it had was their logos, right? So I loaded that image in and I asked ChatGPT to identify the logos of the organizations pictured in the image 
and prepare a thumbnail sketch for me on each one. I just wanted to see what it could do. There were 10 of them. It identified nine of the logos on the first pass and gave me a little thumbnail sketch, including their URL in like 30 seconds. And some of the organizations I had never heard of, and this is what I do for a living, right? And had I had to go, you know, I could have, I could have engineered it through Google image search or whatever. I could have done it, but it would have taken me a long time. There is so much untapped potential. I know I'm, I know I'm preaching to the choir. I can tell um, so much untapped potential here, but so anyway, I share that because I don't even think people have begun to even scratch the surface of right, what this stuff right. can do. Um, and what I did isn't all that great, but it, you know, it's, it's a different, it's a, it's a hack, you know? So talk about how it fits into both employee experience and your role as internal communications and kind of some of the things you do with it. Yeah. First of all, I've never done what you just talked about. I will say I doing images is I have not explored there as much, but my Hit me up afterwards, I'll have I you know, it's right. <laughs> Send that prompt my way. Yeah. Um, the biggest way that I've been using it is I will ask it to establish a persona. So I'll say, for example, you know, think about all the focus groups we've all done in our careers over time to get perspective. It's hard to do that. One, it's hard to do that when you're not traveling. It's hard to do that with everybody remote. So one of the things that I'll do consistently is I'll say, create a persona of this person, you know, an engineer, English as second language, mid-range of their career, super analytical. I'll have it create this whole persona. And then I will go and ask that persona specific questions, take those questions and answers and form an FAQ and, and check a bias from it. So that, so for example, if we said, okay, if take this engineer, if their boss were to resign tomorrow to go to a competitor, what questions would that engineer have? And what normally I would get is everything from you know, why are the traditional, why are they leaving to questions like, how can we ensure that our, you know, proprietary information does not go with that person? How can we mm -hmm. be sure that that person um, still represents our product in a positive light? And then the me questions, which we all know from, you know, those, those me questions that that person is going to ask, well, who's going to be my boss? How's my boss going to understand what my role is? All of that came from just saying, create a persona, now ask that pers the persona this question. So I love I love it for that. I love it for checking bias on. Now I I take it with a grain of salt for sure. But whenever I write something, I'm uh, any of us we're gonna have a bias. So I will put it in there and I will say, okay, tell me what I'm missing from this paragraph in terms of what my millennial employees will think about this. What my introverted. Um, employees would think about this. So I really use it as my gut check. That is how I've been using it. And then as a speed, just like what you're talking about to speed things up, I will put in a weird list that I've gotten from somebody in the company that is all gobbledygook. And I'll say, put this in a comma, you know, comma, you know, comma, and then in an Excel, give me the formula that I can just throw it in Excel. So just some of those little tiny things, I'm using it for that too. Um, but mainly speeding, speeding it up. Um, I will put in quotes and say, if this is a quote from our CEO, how will this make somebody feel? You know, I use it for everything like that. Just I love that. Check. I love the bias check and that idea. That's not even stuff I had even considered. I've asked <laughs> it to version things like by demographic or by generation, and it'll it'll do that. But I hadn't heard of any of that. 
Yeah. I mean, there's this amazing person I follow. His name is Sean Rendell. He writes this, um, you can subscribe to it. It's called Mr. Editorial. And he is doing a five-part series called Intellicoms. And he just released all of these prompts that you can borrow from him. But that's what I would start to do is looking at the people out there who are writing these and they are giving you those prompts to use. I mean, I think that's, it's a beautiful thing about mm-hmm. what's happening. Like we're all sharing. There's not a competitiveness. It's like, Michael, use my bias idea. I'm going to use your image idea and speed yep. up the work. And it, I think it's going to take some of the admin stuff that we're not, that slows down our strategy brain. And I think it's going to help do take, do that work and let us free up our, our strategy thinking. I hope mm-hmm. yeah. that's my, that's my mm-hmm. goal. Yeah. And there's uh, much to that, um, much to that point there. I, I I would say the vast majority of prompts that I regularly use that I found, I've got a folder going with all these yeah. sheets of paper there. Right. And, and it was exactly that same thing. There was some recruiters very early on when chat before we even got the upgrade, right. When it was still 3.5, um, and there were some really early folks that went in there and said, Hey, I've been playing with this and here's, here's the prompts that I'm using. And it's very similar. Let me create a persona, um, to craft, um, uh, a job posting or an ad because here's the persona that I'm looking to hire. And, and I've, I've, I've saved every sort of sample prompt, right. And yeah. then use those to kind of build my own over the last year and, yeah, it's people just need, and, and I do think that there are. I think you've seen it, Michael, as well in, um, in different, you know, Facebook groups like the Evil HR Lady group, for example, on um, with HR folks. There is, this is one of the technologies, and all the years I've worked in HR, sort of this generative, uh, generative AI concept and chat that I have seen the fastest and most eager adoption mm-hmm. by practitioners. It's like so many people, 10 years ago, something came out and people were, oh, we're not going to go on. They didn't want to go on Facebook, for God's sakes, 10 years ago. And now um, I just see people just so eager to learn and try. Yeah, And it's I wonderful. Think, I think it comes from also like, look, if you look at the last four years, run, many organizations have gone through so many layoffs right? We had this, particularly for HR and comms, we had this boost during COVID because we had such a big role to play during that. And now we're seeing budgets getting pulled back for HR, for comms, which is unfortunate. But I think that the practitioners are seeing these tools now as extra bandwidth. And, and, you know, I generally, I would say 99% of the HR and comms people I've met are in it because they care passionately and they want to do a good job. And if you say, use this tool, it's going to give you more. It's going to help you do your job even better and faster. And it's driven by you. It's not like a, you know, you control it really. You control what you put in and what the output put, what you do with the output. I think it's empowering for, for those of us who are yes. overwhelmed and busy. Yes. <laughs> so I, I'm excited. I'm scared. And I think we should say that like, yeah, it, it's there's a lot to be worried about related to it, and I think we would be naive to not 
you know, to just say it's the greatest thing ever, because I think yeah. we have seen, we are such at the infancy, we don't know yet, but I think it's promising, which is fun. Yeah. So, so that, that's a good segue to uh, kind of our wrap up question before we close out and have, um, have you share with folks where they can get in touch with you. Um, what do you see on the fu- in, uh, in the future? Where are we going from here with sort of this, you know, um, interplay of, of tech and, and internal comms and HR and sort of all these things we've talked about. What, what should we watch out for? What, what's happening next? Yeah. I really think the space is in employee engagement. I think, um, you know, AI, if the companies who are doing it right are using tools where AI is underneath the surface, looking for the sentiment of the employees, it is doing passive listening on the employee base, not the scary kind, but Mm -hmm. the good kind. You know, we've so long relied on these engagement surveys or pulse surveys, these moment in time, which are naturally going to be biased moments in time, right? You could be having a terrible day. You take that survey, it knocks the whole score down. Yep. Yep. So I think we are going to see more and more of practitioners saying, how do I know what my employees actually feel without asking them? Because asking them is a bias already. And so how do we find the technology that is looking through their comments on the internet that is starting to bubble up the emotion they're having after a town hall or a new strategy change or somebody joins the company? So I think we're entering an age of a lot more data coming in about how employees feel so that we can act faster in our programs or in not our programs, right? And saying, no, we're not going to do that program. People are overwhelmed. We're going to just go mm-hmm. back to the basics. So mm-hmm. I think it's that insight. I think the insight that HR and comms people are going to get on a day-to-day basis moving forward is going to transform how these organizations react to mm-hmm. ret- and retain people, mm-hmm. uh, especially as we face that talent shortage that is coming. It's you know ahead of us. And if we don't mm-hmm. start to figure out how to retain people and tr- the way they really want to be retained... So that that's a whole mm-hmm. other conversation. Awesome. I- <laughs> well, we've we've run wildly long. We're well over Ooh. our thirty minute aspiration, but this has been a wonderful conversation, <laughs> and I feel like we could go for another twenty or thirty minutes, but we got to stop. So, thank you for doing doing the show. It was a great episode. Thanks for sharing those insights. They were really uh, interesting. And and to close, beyond the thank you. Why don't you tell folks where they can find you? And since I scared you so much, you barely mentioned your company name, where they can find you at Simpler as well, please. (laughs) Thank you. Um, First of all, thank you for having me. This was so, so great. They can find me on LinkedIn for sure. And I love when people connect on LinkedIn and I love sharing things there. And then yes, on Simpler, if you go to Simpler and you go to the resources, you can see webinars that I've done. You can see some of our great content and writing on AI, on other topics, um, and you can click in, click in on our blog and see some of that. So in simpler is S I M P P L R people like P P L people in the center. That's how, how we got gotcha. it. So we'll put it in the, we'll put it in the show notes as well, but make, but if anyone wants to find it, you can find it either at simpler.com or at through the show notes by clicking through the link. So thanks again, uh, Carolyn. We really appreciate it. Robin, great to chat with you. I'll talk to you again tomorrow. I think. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, people kind of like excited. She sounds about that. Y'all are busy. Y'all are busy. <laughs> oh gosh. Well, you're doing hard work. It's great to meet you both. Thank you for the opportunity. I'd be happy yes. to talk anytime you all think it's appropriate. So thank you so much. Thanks, Carolyn. Okay. All right. Take care. Nice to meet you. Yep. Bye. Okay. Bye.